Welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and thank you for joining us this time around. Welcome if it's your first time. Hope you're interested enough in some uh, cobwebby corners of jazz history to keep joining us. Uh, we have, at this point, I think this is almost my 200th podcast, or getting close to that at any rate, so we have quite a range of things going here. And uh, hope you cherry-pick what you like. Today we're going to be listening to uh, the music of the great tenor saxophone player Chew Berry. And uh, this is uh, going along with a radio show I did in WETF, which will show up on this station at some point. Uh, on that show, I talked about the recordings that he made mostly together with Hotlips Page, the great trumpet player. And uh, they did a couple of studio sessions together under Chu's name, and uh, one uh, with Teddy Wilson, and then a couple of other uh, things with Lionel Hampton without Hotlips Page. Today we're going to go kind of on the other side of that uh, coin. We're going to hear two studio sessions under Chewberry's name. He only did four altogether, so the other two, I guess. One of which will feature trumpeter Irving Randolph, and the other will feature uh, Chu's great friend and running buddy, Roy Eldridge. We're also going to hear a session that Teddy Wilson did uh, featuring Chu and Roy as well, and also, again, have a couple of Lionel Hampton tracks to fill things out a little bit. So a little history. Chu Berry was born in Wheeling, West Virginia in 1910. He uh, grew up I think uh, fairly comfortable circumstances, I guess. He uh, was introduced to music. I think he played piano before uh, he took up the saxophone, and apparently he took up saxophone after hearing Coleman Hawkins play with Fletcher Henderson's band in the 1920s when they toured through the area. Uh, Barry uh, played some alto at the beginning, but switched to tenor pretty quickly and uh, came to New York in about 1920. 29-1930, played with Sammy Stewart's band and a number of other uh, sort of B-level Harlem bands before he was noticed by Benny Carter. And Benny Carter, uh, for the rest of his life, and he lived into the 1990s, uh, was always a big champion of Chew Berry. He said he was a great player and a great friend. And he was one of the few players who, uh, even at his very young age, could stand up and play with Coleman Hawkins. And indeed they did on one recording session that was pretty much led by Benny Carter. It was featuring the music and the arrangements of the British bass player and jazz writer Spike Hughes. And uh, Hawkins got the lion's share of the solos, but Chu got some licks in as well. And they were even featured uh, together on a, on a jam session number or two. We'll be playing those at some point on a future podcast. Hawkins left uh, the country uh, in 1934. He went to England, stayed there for about five years, so he was essentially out of the mainstream. Up to that point, he had been the patron saint of jazz saxophone playing and was looked at as probably one of the great jazz players on any instrument. Uh, second only to Louis Armstrong, you'd have to say. Uh, but he took himself out of uh, contention uh, at that point, going to uh, Europe, and he continued his development, as it turned out, but he didn't have a lot of contact with the United States through records or what have you. He was listening to records that came in from the United States, and he was aware of the development of Chewberry, but uh, Hawkins' own recordings in Europe didn't make their way back across the Atlantic, so people didn't really know too much about what he was doing. When he came back in 1939, it was clear that he had continued growing, and he retook his throne, if you will, as the uh, greatest tenor sax player of the day. During the, his uh, wanderings in, in Europe, Chewberry really came to the fore as the, the, the guy to beat in the United States. Toward the end of that time, of course, Lester Young appeared from Kansas City, and he uh, offered an alternate way of, of uh, playing and listening to jazz. And for a very brief time, Chew and Lester Young played in Count Basie's band. Barry was not a regular member of the band although apparently he had hoped uh, that Basie would hire him to replace Herschel Evans, who had died uh, early in 1939, and he made a couple of recording dates. At that time, Chu was playing with the Cab Calloway Band. He uh, was with him from the summer of 1937 up until he died in a car accident, Chu did, in 1941, October of 1941, dying uh, very young, unfortunately. He would have had a very long career uh, and presumably would have been at the forefront of some other jazz developments in the 1940s, bebop and even rhythm and blues. Some of his playing that you'll hear on this podcast kind of point in that direction. And some of the bebop players, like Charlie Parker, for example, were very enamored of Chewberry's style of playing. He had a very technical way. He also uh, had a great uh, and deep harmonic knowledge, and he wasn't afraid to take chances as an improviser, and we will be hearing a lot of that today. 
So after he played briefly with Benny Carter in the early 30s, he uh, went on to play with uh, a succession of big bands, Teddy Hill's band uh, and then Fletcher Henderson's band, which was probably his first really big-name band, starting in about 1936 out in Chicago. Uh, we've done a podcast on that band and heard quite a lot of choose solos. He was heavily featured in all the bands he was with. He, In addition to being a great player, he was also uh, a great advocate of jazz and of his own playing, and he wasn't afraid to speak up and uh, let leaders know that uh, he wanted to do something different, and for the most part, those leaders listened to him. They took him very seriously based on his uh, superior ability as a player, but also he could express himself very well, apparently, and um, uh, he was able to uh, uh, make his opinions known in bands that he did not lead. And probably that had something to do with his opportunities to record under his own name. As I mentioned, he did four uh, sessions under his own name while he was a sideman with another band. And this was a little unusual during the 1930s. We think of uh, sidemen like Teddy Wilson and Red Allen and even Lionel Hampton and Harry James, for that matter, uh, who uh, made long series of recordings in the 30s while they were not leading bands. But they were all sort of considered leaders in their own right. Uh, Chew Berry was a very young player, and he was one one of the few sidemen who was allowed or offered the opportunity to record uh, under his own name during this period. Lester Young did a little bit later, Ziggy Ellman did, um, and there were a few here and there, but uh, Chewberry was uh, accorded that level of of respect uh, by recording engineers, or recording executives, I should say, even though these were probably not big hit recordings, they're very good examples of jazz from this period. So we're going to start out with one of those sessions, and uh, this is done by, or was done by, Chewberry and his Stompy Stevedores, as it was said, and this was made for uh, Columbia. The uh, two tunes were uh, released on the Columbia label and two on the Variety label. He had already done one session with the same named band featuring Hot Lips Page on March 23rd of 1927. It was all released on Variety, and you can hear that on my other podcast. This uh, session was done on September 10th of 1937. At this point, he was uh, ensconced in the saxophone section of the Cab Calloway band. So several of these players, in fact, uh, all of these players were with him with Calloway. We have Irving Randolph, known as Mouse Randolph, on trumpet. He gets some excellent solos in here. He was not uh, a widely featured soloist, but we're going to hear him on this date as well as on the Lionel Hampton date coming up. Keg Johnson was on trombone. He had been playing in different bands, Louis Armstrong's band and others, uh, during the 1930s. His brother was Bud Johnson, the great tenor sax player. Chew Berry, of course, on tenor. Benny Payne was on piano. We'll hear him take a vocal on My Secret Love Affair. Danny Barker from New Orleans on guitar. Milt Hinton on bass. And Leroy Maxey on drums. And that was the rhythm section of the Callaway Band at the time. Uh, Cozy Cole replaced Leroy Maxey a couple years later. But um, by and large, this was the Callaway Band. So we're going to hear four tunes, the four tunes from this session. We're going to hear Chewberry Jam, Chewberry being one word in this case, uh, composed by Chewberry, of course, as was the next tune, Maelstrom, uh, which has a very uh, insinuating beat, you'd have to say. Then My Secret Love Affair, which uh, features Benny Payne on vocals, and Ebb Tide by Robinson, Robinson Ranger. This is uh, one of a couple of tunes by this title. This is more of a, of a, of a jazz tune, or at least it is the way Chewberry takes it. So those are our first four tunes. We're going to end up with one from 1939, April 3rd of 1939, done for Bluebird, RCA Victor's subsidiary label. This is Lionel Hampton and his orchestra. Features a couple of the same people. We have Irving Randolph again on trumpet with Chewberry on tenor sax, Milt Hinton on bass, and this time Cozy Cole on drums. So clearly the Cab Calloway band was in New York during that period. They uh, grabbed, uh, or Lionel Hampton grabbed some of his star players. We're also going to hear Jaime Scherzer on alto sax playing lead, Russell Prokop uh, playing clarinet and alto sax. He was with the John Kirby band at the time. Jerry Jerome, who was with the Benny Goodman band along with Jaime Scherzer, was playing clarinet and tenor sax and he will play a bass clarinet solo on the next tune we start out the next set with. Lionel Hampton on vibraphone and vocals. Clyde Hart, a very peripatetic piano player in a lot of sessions in the 1930s and 40s. We've done a podcast on him as well, playing piano. Alan Royce, who had been with Goodman on guitar. And uh, as I said, Milt Hinton and Cozy Cole. And the arrangements are done by Fred Norman, who was a trombone player with a number of African-American bands and was becoming known as a uh, very effective swing arranger in 1939. So we're going to hear the tune, Johnny Get Your Horn. Johnny Get Your Horn and Blow It, which will feature uh, Lionel Hampton vocal. 
So those are our five tunes for this set. The Chewberry Stompy Stevedores session from September 10th of 1937, Chewberry Jam, Maelstrom, My Secret Love Affair, and Ebb Tide, and the Lionel Hampton Orchestra of April 3rd, 1939, Johnny Get Your Horn and Blow It. Thank you. 
Everybody envies me They know the symptoms of a happy heart in love That's why they're jealous of me My secret love affair is with me everywhere Every moment of the day And when the shadows fall I'm happy most of all Dreaming the hours away My thrill began as a lark Look what it turned out to be I'm still keeping it dark No one knows but me My secret love affair Is so beyond compare Not another one will do And if you're still in doubt I'll let the secret out My secret love is you
get your horn and blow it. Johnny, get your horn or go in. Dee what, dee dee what, dee dee what. Johnny, get your horn or go in. Never mind the corn we grow it. Johnny, get your horn or go in. Dee what, dee what, dee what. The drummer will beat it, then repeat it. Better get moving. Get yourself seated when you heat it. Just swing right out and get in the groove. Johnny, get your horn up going till the early morning. Johnny, get your horn up going. He what, he what, he what. That was Chewberry playing with uh, the Lionel Hampton Orchestra. That's how we finished up with Johnny Get Your Horn, Blow It. And we heard uh, quite a few solos in there. Kind of a know-nothing of a song, but uh, a good arrangement by Fred Norman and some very good playing. We heard uh, some Irving Randolph on trumpet. We heard Russell Prokop on the alto solo. The first tenor solo was, I believe, by Jerry Jerome, and then the longer one after the vocal was Chewberry, and we also get to hear some Clyde Hart on piano, so very good playing from April 3rd of 1939, and then we're going to start out the next set with another tune from that session, but before that, we'll tell you again about Chewberry and his stompy stevedores from September 10th of 1937. We heard the Chewberry Jam, and then Maelstrom, both Chewberry tunes featuring uh, some brief but telling uh, playing by Irving Randolph, Mouse Randolph on trumpet, and Keg Johnson on trombone. Keg Johnson was one of the many black trombone players of the 1930s who were really outstanding players, but who didn't necessarily get a lot of feature in uh, big band recordings of the time. They showed up occasionally on small group dates and uh, make you sort of wonder about what might have been if they had been uh, featured a little bit more. Keg Johnson uh, played a lot of trombone solos on the Cab Calloway recordings for about 10 years. Also, he was with Fletcher Henderson's band briefly before that, and uh, you can hear him on some odds and ends small group sessions. Benny Payne on piano, he also sang the next tune, My Secret Love Affair. He had been with Calloway's band since uh, about 1931, and he stayed with him right into the 1940s. He wasn't known really as a jazz piano player, but he did some very good stride piano uh, solos and brief solos on these recordings. Uh, he was featured uh, on a duo recording with... Um, Clarence Williams, and I think appeared even with Fats Waller a couple of times on record in the early 30s. So he had a reputation of at least being a, an accomplished player, even if not a particularly inspired one. And we heard, as I said, Danny Barker on guitar and Milt Hinton, who made up a rhythm team for Calloway's band for many years and who reunited on many recording sessions in the future uh, as well. And then Leroy Maxey, who had played drums with Calloway back to the time of the Missourians band, which Calloway took over in about 1930. And as I said, he was replaced by Cozy Cole within a year or two. We finished up with Ebb Tide, the Robbins Ranger tune that uh, really just was a blowing vehicle. No vocal and uh, certainly not very romantic, but uh, an interesting tune and showed off some of the best Chewberry playing of that date. So as I said, the next uh, 
little set that we're going to do. We'll start out with the session mate of Johnny Get Your Horn and Blow It. And this is the New Orleans March tune, High Society. And uh, for whatever reason, High Society was getting uh, some frequent recordings by swing bands in about 1938-1939. Jelly Roll Morton's band recorded it for Bluebird, as did uh, Lionel Hampton uh, on this recording we're going to hear. There were recordings by several big bands as well, uh, including Louis Armstrong. So, uh, not sure why this Porter Steel March suddenly became uh, property of the swing bands, but it's a very effective uh, performance here in an arrangement by Fred Norman. And we're going to hear a unusual bass clarinet solo by Jerry Jerome uh, as uh, the notes to the mosaic set of the Chewberry recordings where we're listening to today say uh, Chew, uh, rather uh, Jerry Jerome uh, had gotten that bass clarinet from Benny Goodman. He was playing with Goodman's band and uh, he needed a bass clarinet for some of the tunes in the book and Goodman actually gave him his old one when he was a studio musician. Lauren Schoenberg wrote the notes to the uh, mosaic set and indebted to him for some of these details. So after High Society, we're going to go to a uh, Teddy Wilson session that featured both Chewberry and uh, Roy Eldridge. This was one of the Teddy Wilson series done in the 1930s, and typically we think of the ones that he did with Billie Holiday as the vocalist, but uh, that didn't account for all of the Teddy Wilson recordings, probably only about maybe two-thirds of them that were done in the 1930s. Wilson, like Lionel Hampton, used whatever musicians were in town for his recording dates, and sometimes Billie Holiday wasn't in town. Uh, this particular date was done in Chicago in May of 1936, and the notes very helpfully tell us that it was done before, between 11.30 p.m. and 5.45 a.m., so a pretty long session after a full night's work uh, in, in, in dance band land. The Benny Goodman Band was playing at the time at the Congress Hotel, and the Fletcher Henderson Band was at the Grand Terrace, and so uh, this is a, a sort of a combination of the two groups, less of uh, Goodman and more of Henderson. We have Roy Eldridge on trumpet, he will also sing, Buster Bailey on clarinet with Chewberry on tenor. Teddy Wilson is the member of the Benny Goodman Band who uh, appears here. He's on piano, of course. Bob Lessie on guitar, Israel Crosby on bass, and Sid Catlett on drums. Uh, and that was the rhythm section of the Fletcher Henderson Band. And Catlett will also play a little bit of a vibraphone passage here and there. So this recording session uh, featured four tunes, three jazz tunes and one kind of a novelty tune that the Henderson Band had also recorded uh, right around the same time, both of which feature a Roy Eldridge vocal. In fact, the uh, Henderson uh, recording was done just about a week later, May 23rd of 1936. But this is a uh, small group, more of a jam session vehicle with all of those musicians. And we'll start with that after uh, we finish with High Society. We'll go to Mary Had a Little Lamb, Teddy Wilson and his orchestra, followed by Too Good to Be True, Warming Up, and the Blues in C-sharp minor. So those are our five tunes for this set. Uh, High Society, Lionel Hampton and his orchestra, Mary Had a Little Lamb, Too Good to Be True, Warming Up, and Blues in C-sharp minor by Teddy Wilson and his orchestra, all featuring Chew Berry.
little lamb, but she didn't see the rhyme. Mary lost her little lamb, now you better be careful, baby. Mary had the little lamb, but he disappeared one night. Mary couldn't find her lamb, oh, you better be careful, baby. You got yourself in done, you've been flying high. I ain't been saying much, but you turn your lamb's great big line. Mary had the little lamb, but she didn't have long. And when Mary lost her lamb, she cried for days and days. Now you better mend your ways, don't be sorry, babe.
So we started out that set with High Society by Lionel Hampton and his orchestra from April 3rd of 1939. That nice Fred Norman arrangement, nice swing arrangement of a New Orleans march tune, basically. That featured, uh, in addition to Irving Randolph on trumpet and Chew Berry on tenor sax, we heard some alto sax playing by Russell Prokope and that uh, interesting bass clarinet solo by Jerry Jerome. We also, of course, heard the leader, Lionel Hampton, on vibraphone. I think I had forgotten to mention him earlier, but certainly can't do that. Um, but after that, we went to that Teddy Wilson Orchestra session from uh, Chicago in May of 1936. We heard Mary Had a Little Lamb with a vocal by Roy Eldridge, Too Good to Be True, Warming Up, and uh, a very kind of moody performance of the blues in C-sharp minor. And you could tell all those players were being very careful in that key. That's an unusual key for horn players, or at least it was in 1930. Uh, Six, so some very thoughtful playing as well by Roy Eldridge on trumpet, Buster Bailey on clarinet, Chewberry on tenor, uh, Teddy Wilson on piano, and the rest of the Fletcher Henderson uh, rhythm section as well. Bob Lessie on guitar, Israel Crosby on bass, and Sid Catlett on drums with a little bit of perfunctory vibraphone playing in there as well. So Chewberry, as I mentioned, was with Cab Calloway through most of the period we're listening today. That uh, Teddy Wilson session was when he was with Fletcher Henderson, but he left in the summer of 1937 and became a, a really key member of the Calloway band. And what would have happened to him had he not uh, died in an auto accident in 1941? Uh, who knows? He uh, may have stayed with Calloway for a while longer, but presumably he would have made other uh, small group sessions in the 1940s as his contemporaries like uh, Don Bias and Ben Webb did, of course, Coleman Hawkins as well, and uh, I would suspect that he would have been uh, a little more open to the um, uh, new developments in jazz than someone like, for example, Ben Webster was. Uh, his playing was, uh, as I said, very technical and flexible. He had a great harmonic sophistication, and uh, he probably could have embraced some of those neo-bebop practices, as Don Bias did. In fact, Chewberry might have become Don Bias before Don Bias, uh, but all speculation, of course. We're going to finish up this uh, musical part of this, seg- of this session with Chewberry and uh, his Little Jazz Ensemble. And Little Jazz, of course, was the nickname for Roy Eldridge, who plays trumpet on this. This was done for Commodore Records in November, November 11th of 1938, and features um, a number of uh, Chewberry's friends from different bands. Of course, Roy Eldridge had been with the Henderson Band with him. Clyde Hart, again on piano, who was with everybody at that point. Danny Barker on guitar, who was with him with Cab Calloway. Artie Shapiro was on bass. He was uh, known for having played with a lot of the white bands. Uh, Benny Goodman, Artie Shaw, a lot of different players in there. And Sid Catlett on drums. Of course, Sid Catlett had been with the Henderson Band, and he was, uh, 1938, I don't know what band he was with at that point, but he was uh, never without work. He was such a great drummer. And we're going to hear on the first tune a little bit of talking between Roy Eldridge and Chewberry. You get to hear Chewberry's voice. They do a little sort of uh, dramatic presentation about the uh, development of a jam session, uh, which will continue on with the tune itself, which is called Sittin' In. And uh, we will hear uh, the whole band do that. That's credited to Milt Gabler, who was the director of Commodore Records and the producer of these sessions. He didn't write the songs. He did get his name on those, though. Then we're going to hear a really lovely ballad performance of Stardust by Hoagie Carmichael, and this features the two horns, Eldridge and Chewberry, and uh, this was done before the Coleman Hawkins version of Body and Soul, which is worth mentioning because the next tune is Body and Soul, and uh, that features a ballad uh, tempo performance by Chewberry, and then it goes into double time and features Roy Eldridge. So this was done, oh, several months before the uh, Hawkins version. In fact, this was right before Hawkins returned from Europe. And then we're going to finish up with uh, a tune called 46 West 52, which is based on Sweet Georgia Brown. And that address, 46 West 52, apparently was the address of the Commodore Record Shop, which was the kind of heart and soul of Commodore Records and the reason that Mill Gabler put his record company together. So those are our four tunes to round out our Chewberry program. Sitting in Stardust, Body and Soul, and 46 West 52, all done by Chewberry and his little jazz ensemble. Ain't you know, hard as we work tonight, I ain't even tired, man. Let's go have some place to swing. Where you want to go, Chew? Let's go down the subway. You Who's know, working down there? Clyde's working down there, man. You know where Clyde are. And they kept swinging out already. Come on, Jazz, get your horn out, man. Let's go. 
That was Chewberry and his Little Jazz Ensemble featuring Roy Eldridge on trumpet, Chewberry on tenor sax, Clyde Hart on piano, Danny Barker on guitar, Artie Shapiro on bass, and Sid Catlett on drums. We heard Sitting In with that little dialogue up front. That was a jam session tune. It was based on the chords to Tiger Rag, um, and both of the horn players got uh, their innings in on that as well as some piano. Then we heard that really lovely version of Stardust. Uh, this was, to my knowledge, maybe the first uh, ballad performance on record in, in jazz at that tempo. We usually think of Coleman Hawkins' uh, Body and Soul, but this predated it by several months, and um, it featured Eldridge and Clyde Hart, as well as Chewberry, uh, all taking half choruses, more or less, in there, and uh, really demonstrated, I think, especially Roy Eldridge's um, advanced thinking, musical thinking at the time. A lot of flat fives, a lot of unusual intervals that were influencing Dizzy Gillespie and some of the beboppers who were probably in their teens at that point. Then we heard Body and Soul, which featured that slow section by Chewberry, and then a more up-tempo section by Roy Eldridge, and finished up with uh, a workout on the changes of Sweet Georgia Brown called 46 West 52. That was Chewberry. So I hope you've enjoyed this program. You've been listening to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and... Uh, this is our uh, second or first, depending on which order you listen to them in, uh, podcast slash radio show on Chewberry, a really uh, remarkable jazz persona from the 1930s. He was not active for all that long, only about 10 years in the recording studios. Uh, he died at the age of about 31, uh, but he had lasting influence, and he's still remembered today as one of the great tenor saxophonists in jazz. It's a pity that uh, he didn't... Uh, have a longer life, certainly, uh, but he really packed quite a lot into that short life that he had in terms of his recordings and his jazz influence. So this is uh, our attempt today to cast some light on the cobwebby corners of jazz recorded history, and we may have another Chewberry program up our sleeves at some point in the future. I especially love the recordings he made with um, uh, Wingy Minone, the New Orleans white trumpeter, uh, who had a, a remarkable series of recordings in the 1930s, and for a period anyway, he used Chewberry on quite a lot of them, also Buster Bailey and Danny Barker, uh, and some of them are really outstanding jazz performances, so we may be listening to some of those in the future as well. But for now, thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the other side.